a young perspective on hot-button issues around the world. This is The Hub. Hello and welcome to this special edition of Looking Ahead 2023. I'm Wang Guan in Beijing. We start each year with a lot of hope and anticipation, but the year 2023 arguably is different. The level of anticipation is just extraordinary. With the shadow of COVID finally retreating after three years and China rolling back its pandemic control policies, there's a surge in optimism and hope and plans to reconnect. As international exchanges and people-to-people -people contacts improve, I'm going to talk to three people who are contributing to this communication in three diverse fields. Now, looking at the year 2023, how will China's international dialogue and cooperation go forward? My first guest today, in fact, my first guest of the year is David Ferguson, Honorary Chief English Editor of Foreign Languages Press. David, welcome to The Hub. Now, David, as the Honorary Chief English Editor of a major Chinese publishing house, you have a major role to play in presenting China to the outside world, but we did not know that you brought the outside world to China as well, and that too in the form of Manchester United, no less. Um, you must tell us more about that. Are you related or affiliated with Sir Alex Ferguson by any chance? Well, that's an old story, Wang Guan. It's, it's a good story. Um, in the early 2000s, before I came to, to China, I used to work, uh, I, I used to own a media production company with one of my brothers. He was an old television, experienced television producer. Uh, and through his contacts, we knew the guys who ran Manchester United TV. So when they needed a documentary made, uh, occasionally they would commission us to do it. So I've actually had the opportunity to, to interview a number of interesting people, uh, one of them being Sir Alex. I mean, you get to interview David Ferguson. I got to interview David Beckham. <laughs> so, yeah, awesome. so that's, go that's going back a while. And the, the, one of the first times I came to China, I actually came to China with Manchester United as part of a business delegation that was accompanying the club. They came in 2005 and they played a match in Hong Kong and they played a match here in Beijing. Yeah, I remember that, against yeah. Beijing Guan. So I was actually with the delegation then. So I got some nice pictures of my son, who was then one year old, with guys like Wayne Rooney and, uh, and Alan Smith, uh, Ryan Giggs. Was Ronaldo in that squad too? No, actually. Although, Which year was that? That was in 2005, but I was actually at the Man U training ground the day that Ronaldo signed for Man U as a teenager. Ah, that was in 2003. 18 years old, yes. I actually got the very first autograph that Ronaldo signed oh, as man. a Man U player. I was there and I saw him going oh. into the offices to sign on the dotted line. When he came back out, the only piece of paper I had with me was a business card. So I gave him my business card and said, can you sign an autograph, awesome. please? Well, awesome. So I got his first autograph. A tribute to that young boy, now that we learned that he has just signed with Al Nassar, the Saudi Arabia team. Yeah, that's right. Um, something like 180. With an unbelievably million. high salary and bonus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but let's talk about um, China's uh, engagement with the outside world. Now that China has relaxed its COVID policies, no quarantine whatsoever for inbound travelers, International travel is about to rise. It is rising already as we speak. Um, how do you foresee that to facilitate China's uh, outreach to the outside world? I hope that it's going to work in a positive way. 
Um, unfortunately, we're all he already hearing talk about some of the Western countries placing restrictions on Chinese travellers. I think one of the unfortunate things all the way through the whole COVID pandemic has been the way that some Western countries have politicised it right from the start. Uh, Donald Trump was talking about the, the China virus and he wasn't the only one. So uh, I think that China's making positive moves. I think that China's management of COVID has been wise and sensible. Uh, they put people's lives first up front. I think now that the virus appears to be mutating and becoming less serious, and I think it's maybe right to start taking the brakes off. Yeah. I'm hesitant to, to comment too much about it because I'm not a medical expert. But I think there comes a point where you have to be ready to start to, yeah. to ease restrictions. Okay. I think China's doing that. I think it's the right thing to do. I just hope that um, I hope that, that Western countries, my own country, for example, the United Kingdom can respond in a positive way and not treat this as yet another opportunity to create conflict and hostility. Now, in your circle of publishing, academic and think tank uh, members, uh, what is the response to the changes in China's COVID policy? Did you talk to your friends, your colleagues? Uh, what are uh, your own thoughts on all this? Well, pretty much every adult I know has now had COVID. Nobody that I know has actually been hospitalised, which bears out which, what I, uh, I was saying earlier and bears out what I would hope is that the virus is becoming uh, less serious. So we've all had COVID, we've all been through it, it's very unpleasant, but we've all got through it. As I say, nobody's been hospitalised, we're steadily going back to work. I actually had quite a tough time myself over 10 days over Christmas, yeah. but I'm past the worst of it now and on the mend and uh, looking to get back to work fairly quickly. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, now you look great. You look well. Thank you very much. Um, I feel a lot better. Um, uh, David, you said in 2023 that you will continue your work on China's international discourse, uh, which is a very important um, issue. Um, what kind of international discourse do you foresee going forward? Uh, between China and its presentation to the outside world? Well, Wang Wan, you're quite right. That is my main task, working on China's uh, international discourse, uh, principally China's political discourse. 2022 was a big year, two major events. We had the release of the Governors of China, Volume 4, uh, and then we had the um, Party Congress. So these were two big events that generated a lot of work. To be honest, for 2023, I would be hoping for a slightly easier year this time round. I mean, we'll have a lot of white papers, a lot of, uh, I mean, China likes to, to, to publish white papers, likes to let the world know what its position is in terms of major political issues, major social and environmental issues. So we're anticipating... We're anticipating a fair amount of that, but maybe maybe slightly easier this year. As people try to move past COVID, uh, what kind of international discourse do you foresee uh, coming from China and on China? Well, the, first of all, we've had uh, or we're, we're about to have a change in foreign minister. Uh, I think. What do you think uh, about that? You know, I think one of the one of the great strengths of China's system is something that I call continuity. Uh, you look at the Western political systems and you've got constant change. It's all based on conflict and confrontation and change over and turnover. 
And I see one of the great strengths of China's system as the fact that people plan ahead and then they implement the plans and pilot them. And then once things work, they actually start to roll them out. So if you look at what President Xi said at the party congress, he said the main task going forward for the CPC will be the second centenary goal. Now, that is looking forward from here to 2049. So I think that's the great strength yeah. of China's system is the continuity, the ability to plan ahead and the ability to, to implement yeah. China's diplomatic strategy. It's based on the five principles of peaceful coexistence. That is going to continue. Mm -hmm. What I hope that China can do is reach out to partners beyond the developing world, beyond the global south, where they already have solid friendships, uh, and find a way to, to rebuild relationships with, uh, with the developed world, and principally with the two people who have adopted the most adversarial approach, which is the US and my own country, the UK. Finally, David, um, what do you hope to see happen the most in the year 2023? Well, I've got some I've got some plans for myself on one. Um, outside of my activities with the foreign languages press, uh, I write books, uh, teaching English books. I write books for kids. I don't know if you even know wow. that. Yes, for kids, I can be advised by you. Okay, and I'll keep in touch and let you go. But I've got a number of I've got a number of items in the fire for twenty twenty three. Uh, and I hope to be making my own contribution to China's international discourse. And I think that maybe they need to spread that in more areas. One of them being soft power, for example. China's great at making movies. Movies talk direct to an audience. So I actually have a plan myself to be, to be working on an idea for a film. So I've got lots of stuff in prospect, looking forward to the new year and hoping that it's going to be a success for you or everyone. Best of luck for your future endeavors and happy new year, David. Thank Ferguson. you very much. Thank and you. same to you, as we say in Scotland, a good new year to end it all. Focus, focus on what's relevant in China and the world. Bridge the, bridge the gap between what you know and what you want to know. This is The Hub. While we're talking about breaking the ice, my next guest has done it already. Emmanuel Daniel is the founder of The Asian Banker. He shares his New Year plans as he just returned from the Antarctica. Hello, everybody. Greetings from the Antarctic. It's great to be here. Uh, you can see the penguins uh, all around us at the moment. And you can also see the boat that which, on which we came on and how small it looks uh, relative to everything else here. The mountains behind me are huge, uh, and, uh, but you, you may not be able to appreciate how large and how dramatic they are. Emmanuel, people are talking about the new year. Uh, they're talking about the new year, a new journey, a new beginning. Uh, they have set so much hope on this year, the year 2023. You actually have taken it literally. Uh, you have begun a new journey. You have returned from the Arctic. Um, tell us about your adventure. What was it like? Wangguan, well, I'm, I'm actually talking to you from a town called Ushuaia, the southernmost town in Argentina. 
I just today uh, got back from the Antarctic. I deliberately made a trip uh, to below the Antarctic Circle uh, down to uh, the Antarctic uh, mainland, uh, which not too many ships uh, get to do that. Uh, and I'm very happy, and I'm very happy to say that on my trip, uh, there were about a hundred of us, and there were about eight uh, people from uh, China. And I was very happy to see people I recognized. Uh, we were, I was able to practice my Chinese. Uh, of course, the Antarctic is the final frontier of humanity. Uh, it is a region that is uh, not uh, technically owned by any country, but every country that participates uh, wants to make sure that they preserve uh, what they share together in the world today. Uh, and I guess the theme there for the next year, 2023, uh, is sustainability, preservation, uh, and cooperation. And I think that's what uh, the Antarctic is all, all about. You know, I've, I've come close to the, the, the Arctic in the north, but not, not even, um, not quite close, not as close as you have been to the Antarctic. Uh, what was it like? I mean, what were some of the awe-inspiring moments? There must have been many. Well, firstly, I took many pictures but not a single picture will capture what you actually see in the Antarctic. Um, if you've been what to you actually Zealand, feel inside. Yes, uh, what you feel inside. Um, it's a feeling that will grow in me for many years to come. Um, you know, if you go to New Zealand and then you go to the Antarctic, you might say, oh, this part of the Antarctic looks like New Zealand. Uh, but Antarctic is, is like a hundred times larger uh, than any of these uh, uh, picturesque places around the world that we are familiar with. The first thing I think um, I learned how not to do is uh, not to compare the Antarctic to anything we've seen before. Uh, and then uh, to come to terms with the fact that there is this huge part of the world that is worth preserving uh, and, and worth uh, protecting uh, for all of mankind, not just for any one country or people or region. Uh, and, and it's very good to see. And I learned a lot about uh, the cooperations that are made by the Antarctic Council uh, and so on, uh, where different, all, all the different major countries of the world, including China, uh, cooperate uh, to preserve the Antarctic. Um, you know, now if you ask me what is it that, um, that, that I'll remember for a long time, well, I will remember that I slept in the open uh, one of the nights uh, and looked at the sky, uh, and I can say that I slept in the Antarctic, uh, you know, and uh, that was uh, super memorable. Uh, I didn't do the polar dip because I was exhausted the next day, but uh, I wish I'd done that. Um, but everything else, I mean, you know, uh, learning to respect the uh, penguin highway uh, was something, you know, to see penguins all around you, uh, but to respect that you need to keep a distance from the penguins uh, and uh, respect their lifestyle uh, and not block their uh, passage to the sea. Uh, so these are some of the things that I had to learn about what sustainability um, and uh, um, protecting uh, the environment is all about. Now, I want to shift gears a little bit and ask you about the Asian banker that you have started. Um, maybe you can tell us a bit about what does it do, and then especially in light of China's uh, COVID relaxation policies, optimization policies, um, uh, in light of China's uh, reopening its borders, how do you see it um, being associated with China, and um, how are you planning to help your customers realign their China strategy in the new circumstances? So uh, as many of your audience, might, many in the audience might be familiar with, I'm the founder of the Asian Banker. I founded it in 1996. Uh, by the year 2000, 
uh, I met the chairman of one of the big four banks of China who came to Singapore, which is where the Asian bankers started and said to me, um, you know, come to Beijing. Um, you know, it's a, it's a good time to come to Beijing. At that time, I wasn't aware uh, that uh, China was just about to sign the WTO agreement. So we were in China since the year 2000. Uh, and for me personally and professionally, uh, being in China just at that time and uh, uh, to this day uh, has been an incredible journey, a front seat view uh, of how a country uh, could economically uh, and also on the trade front uh, progress uh, so dramatically uh, like no other country uh, has. Um, and uh, because the Asian bankers core business is research in banking uh, and, uh, and finance, um, we uh, have to constantly make a judgment uh, as to the sustainability, the integrity of the banking system in all of the countries that we cover. Um, uh, many of our clients are from the US and Europe uh, who want to understand uh, some of the developments taking place uh, in Asia. And we, are, because of our office in Beijing, uh, we have an on-ground uh, feel uh, of um, how uh, the Chinese banking system is uh, responding to a lot of the changes taking place today. Of course, you know, the U.S. thinks of itself as being, uh, you know, the superior system. Uh, but mm -hmm. I think China has proven since the year 2000 that I've been in China uh, that, it, that it had built a banking system that is resilient. Uh, at the time that COVID started, uh, the, the global economy, the mechanics of the global economy was totally different than what it is today. Uh, it was, um, it was the, uh, the cost of credit was a lot lower, uh, and therefore uh, the funding and the risk tolerance was much, much higher. Uh, today, um, you know, while chi when China is coming back into the banking, global banking system, we are entering a system which is uh, much more uh, cautious about uh, risk profiles and so on. Recently, we know that China has relaxed its COVID restrictions substantially, uh, no quarantine requirement for inbound travelers, um, opening up its borders literally again. Um, it was open, but uh, now it's just made more easy easier for foreign travelers, uh, access to come over here to do business. Um, I just want to get your reaction and maybe the reaction of your friends in, in your community about this relaxation of travel policies. First out, uh, just the, um, you know, the ending of uh, quarantine requirements has, in my view, and uh, from the people I speak to, uh, created an incredible um, demand uh, for travel back into China. Uh, and I see some of this demand uh, from people who have had, uh, you know, historical relationships with China who need to get back in and fund managers, for example, uh, who need to get back in and, and engage with people on the ground. But also, uh, I see a new uh, interest uh, in people in the US, uh, and I speak specifically of uh, uh, people I'm familiar with, uh, who are planning to do study tours uh, in, the, in June, July, August. So um, there is both a re-engagement uh, with the traditional community and fledgling uh, new interest uh, in China. The desire to uh, start on a clean slate uh, in terms of understanding what the issues are today. Yeah, everyone's hoping that the new year will be a year of peace and prosperity, uh, of amity. Uh, but you made slightly a different uh, forecast somehow. You said there will be a financial war. I mean, when, why, and how? The U.S. is going through an inflection point. The Federal Reserve Bank 
you know, it's inconclusive in, in its uh, model in dealing with inflation uh, and even interpreting in inflation at the moment. And, and that has repercussions on cost of funds and, and on the capital market in the US. You know, so every other country in the world, including China, uh, have to recalibrate their own strategy uh, because of this development. Now, uh, many countries uh, would like to see a softening of interest rates uh, and that uh, they don't have to protect their own currencies by raising domestic interest rates uh, in China, uh, in, in a number of uh, large countries and so on. How the U.S. responds to um, the, uh, the global um, scenario uh, will, de will decide whether uh, they will be adversarial or not. So um, that's, I think, where we need to put our finger on. Uh, I think yeah. that uh, the Chinese regulators have been fair and uh, level-headed uh, in responding to the interest rate rise in the U.S. Uh, at the same time, uh, there's a lot to protect in China. So, uh, uh, you know, the, the Chinese regulators will have to be um, uh, forceful uh, in the way in which it protects the Chinese economy. All right, Emmanuel Daniel, founder of the Asian Banker. Thank you so much for coming on our program and come back to China soon. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. <laughs> we then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. General Railway Company Hear the difference. Join our global network to connect with the world. Focus, focus on what's relevant in China and the world. Bridge the, bridge the gap between what you know and what you want to know. This is The Hub. Now, a New Year show should always end on a high note, and that's exactly what we're going to do. My last guest today is Ellie Zylo, the versatile South African singer based in Hong Kong, China, who sings in four languages. Wow. Welcome to The Hub, Ellie. Thank you How so much you? for having me. We know that music uh, is always um, loved by everybody because uh, it knows no borders. Uh, it, it knows no barriers um, to some extent, and you're an example of that. Uh, how did you become a pop singer in Hong Kong from South Africa? Well, I originally came in 2015 um, by way of Hong Kong Disneyland. Um, oh, I, I wow. auditioned for the role of Nala in South Africa. And then about three months later, I found myself here. Luckily, I got the role. And that's just how my journey began. Awesome. Awesome. How do you like the city? I love it. Actually, I came back on my own accord because after um, my time with Disney was up, I went back to South Africa for a few months. And then I decided by myself that, you know what, I want to go back to Hong Kong. I enjoyed it so much. And um, yeah, so I'm back and I have been back for about five years now since then. So I understand that you can sing in Cantonese and Mandarin both. Um, maybe you can show it to our audience a little bit. Wow. Maybe I should stop there before I get beautiful, carried away. Beautiful. <laughs> and, you know, uh, it's, it's a beautiful tribute to, to late singer Mei Yanfeng as well. It's, it's a beautiful, gorgeous song. I mean, what is it like being a singer in Hong Kong? How do you feel like um, you're received by, by locals, by, of course, Hong Kong being a very different culture, heading from the East uh, that is, uh, I would say, very different from uh, your homegrown culture? 
you know what the thing is when you you give your heart to something i think people can tell and people are most likely to give their heart or their attention back to you so that's what i've experienced with the hong kong audience they can see that um my intentions are good and I just enjoy languages. I always have since I was younger. Um, it started by maybe trying different um, songs that I didn't particularly understand. And as I grew older, I just mixed my love of languages with music. And let me ask you, Ali, uh, which is more difficult, Mandarin Chinese, Putonghua, or Cantonese? Cantonese, <laughs> without a How doubt. How so? Because um, with Cantonese, I found a lot of words are put in one sentence when singing a song. With Mandarin, it reminds me a little bit more of the ballad background that I come from because I'm very heavy on R&B. So with Mandarin, you can space out your words, you can um, add your nuances stylistically. Whereas with Cantonese, I feel that you have to hit the marks a little more solidly. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, and then, of course, uh, the Chinese mainland just relaxed its COVID policies, no quarantine whatsoever for inbound travelers. Um, uh, there's, a, of course, free commute uh, between the Chinese mainland and this Hong Kong uh, SAR. How do you feel about that? Any plans for the future to come on, uh, come up to the mainland? Well, I feel excited because um, I have performed in the mainland before in Shanghai and Beijing. And um, I really, really want to go back. I'm hoping that I could meet more artists. Of course, the audience is much larger and wider in the mainland. So it would be really just a highlight of 2023 if I could come over. I heard that uh, you're releasing a new album this year. Is that right? Yes. What's it about? 2023, um, I'm releasing a double album, actually, wow. one in English and um, South African languages, which would be Zulu and Setswana. And then I am releasing releasing an EP in Cantonese and Mandarin. And um, it's about so much that I've experienced over the past two years. Um, I really feel that it's the right time because for a long time I hadn't released albums and people would always ask me, you know, when are you releasing? But I always felt like I didn't have anything to say. Right now, I feel like I have a lot to say. <laughs> and I want to be open and honest and vulnerable, which I think is the tool and the, the essence of music. So I'm ready to jump in. Great. And finally, um, what's your New Year resolution? Um, I want to be kinder. I want to work harder. I want to dance more. And I want to show the people around me that I love them. And hopefully I can tour the world doing what I love. That's all for this special edition of Looking Ahead 2023. On behalf of my whole team, we're wishing you a great year of the 2023. We're wishing you uh, nothing but the best for you and your loved ones. And bye for now. <laughs>